What's up, gang? Welcome in. Andrew Cooper here, a.k.a. Coupe Fiasco on Twitter. You're here for Coop's FF Fiasco, and I got to tell you, it's a huge day. Enormous day. That's why we got the American flag jacket out. Greatest country in the world. Talking about today, one of this country's most majestic creatures, the tight end. My favorite position. Number one for me all time. And today, it's a great day for you. Huge day for you because you get to decide if you're going to take a boring elite tight end like Travis Kelsey, who's going to be amazing as he always is, or or if you want to play the yin and yang tight end game with us and piece together the tight end position from deep down the tight end ADP. Today, we're going to go through all of it, top to bottom the position. The first segment here, I'm going to cover the elite guys with ADP that's been shifting. So we're trying to pin it down. We're going to tell you exactly what we're thinking here, but I'm even going to tell you what might happen with ADP so you can keep an eye on these guys. Then we're in the second segment, we're going to do the yin and yang tight end, everyone's favorite strategy. Uh, we've used it to great success multiple years. And to wrap it up, just to make sure we have the tight end position completely covered, I'm going to bring on another tight end whisperer. The first one, uh, a couple weeks ago, when we were just doing the basic position previews, I brought on Howard Bender. He was the original tight end whisperer to me. This other guy, David Gautieri, great tight end expert, especially when it comes to dynasty stuff. He's got a lot of great metrics. He looks at a lot of things that we can use to our advantage. We don't have to do this all by ourselves, right? I'm helping you. He's helping me. Howard's helping us all. It's a beautiful thing. So without further ado, let's get into the elite guys, right? There's only two tight end strategies, in my opinion, in redraft. You either draft one elite player, which even if I don't like them, if you go for one of these guys, you're not really taking a second guy. All you're doing is worrying about bye weeks, right? There's about seven of those guys this year we're going to hit on this early part. The other strategy is wait and take two. And I'll get into why it's so important to take two in the second segment. Because a lot of you out there are sitting there and you're like, oh my God, take two tight ends. This guy outside of his mind. Uh, I read back in a magazine in 2005 that you never, ever do that. Well, there are reasons why you should do that and you should consider it and why we've used that to great success. So first thing is first. I'm going to go through and give you the tried and tested metrics that you need to look for to find breakout tight ends. And I'll tell you this, if you read the article pinned to my profile that has all this information, you actually don't even need me, right? You'll have all the information you need to make the decisions yourself. So I know a lot of people want my opinion and a lot of people, you know, maybe they're more casual gamers and they, they just want to go off rankings or whatever. That's fine. But if you read that, it'll tell you exactly how to spot breakouts and how to find them. So you can do it on your own, right? You can be the tight end whisperer yourself. But for now, I'm going to go through them. And of course, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Travis Kelsey and use him as the example because he checks virtually every single box, right? So the number one most important thing here, get your notepads out, folks, jot this down. Number one most important thing is for your tight end to have a path to be a top two target on his team. The vast majority of difference-making tight ends in fantasy football have been top targets on their team, usually first, sometimes second. The greatest tight end season of all time Rob Gronkowski, he was technically second on the team behind Wes Welker. So as long as you're top two, you're good. But of the top 50 all-time tight end seasons, 49 of those have been top two targets on the team. There's one exception. There's a strange year with Tony Gonzalez, an absolute legendary tight end, technically got fewer targets than Julio Jones and Roddy White, other legendary players. That's the one exception, and we don't try and guess where and when that's going to happen. So boom, Travis Kelsey, number one target on his team. One of only four tight ends last year to lead his team in targets. The other ones were Mark Andrews, uh, 
Tyler Higby because of the Cooper Cup injury and Cole Komet because of the Darnell Mooney injury. It's very rare. That's why those guys are in a tier of their own. So that's number one. Number two is one that you might not think is super important, but it's actually, in my opinion, the second most important thing. We cannot have our tight ends blocking on pass plays. It is unacceptable. It, there's been so few examples of a tight end blocking on even just 15% of his pass plays finishing top five that if, if a guy is at 15% or higher, we rule him out. We rule him out. The only examples have been uh, George Kittle in his unicorn 2019 season. He's the one guy to really truly actually do it for a whole season. Besides that, you had Rob Gronkowski who had 11 touchdowns in 11 games. Then he got hurt. That doesn't really count. He probably wouldn't have blocked that much in that season. The third example, Julius Thomas, 2013. The only reason he was a top tight end is Peyton Manning threw 55 touchdown passes, a record that stands today. So we need these guys not blocking on pass plays, ideally 7% or less. Travis Kelsey, our key example, only blocked on 24 pass plays. All the pass plays that team ran last year, 24. That's 3.6%. Kelsey checks that box. We want these guys. uh, So number three, we want these guys lining up at wide receiver often. It's huge. Not only does it get them a better release, not only can you run better routes from there, but oftentimes when you do that, they take a wide receiver off the field. Look at the Chiefs last year. Look how many plays Noah Gray played. He played like 40, 50, 60% of the snaps at times. When that guy comes in and takes a wide receiver out, highly consolidates the targets. Kelsey played 63% of his snaps at wide receiver. That's what we're looking for. Next one, these guys have to create for themselves versus man-to-man. The first ones on the list, the top two target and the 15%, those you need them. These last couple, it, it, it's ideal, but not 100% necessary. Creating for yourself versus man-to-man almost is necessary. Over the last two years, Mark Andrews has 61 receptions versus man-to-man. Travis Kelsey has 58. Nobody else has more than 30. These two guys are just actual wide receivers. They're better at creating space. And it, it comes in clutch in this next point. The next point is having a knack in the red zone. And being good in man-to-man is absolutely crucial for that. Absolutely crucial crucial for that situation because everybody goes zero coverage. They go lockdown in that range. If you can beat your man one-on-one in that range, you are going to score touchdowns. Bottom line, it's huge. It's crucial. So guys like Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, once again, those two players are above everyone else. And that's why they're tier one and two. And they're only two guys in that tier. So you got to have a knack for scoring. Travis Kelsey, of course, one of only like six tight ends ever to have uh, multiple seasons with double digit tight ends. Actually, he's only five. The other guys on the list are Gronk, uh, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, and Tony Gonzalez, all pretty good players, I believe. So those guys on the list. Uh, next one, run high A dot routes. There is no route Travis Kelsey can't run. You want your guys running real routes. You don't want your guy being Jack Doyle, just kind of blocking and lurking around the line of scrimmage because if you look at uh, Jack Doyle in like 2014 versus Rob Gronkowski, Doyle actually had more targets and Gronk had almost double the yards because the eight out for Gronk was like 12 yards and the eight out for Jack Doyle was like three. So we need these guys actually getting downfield. The one thing that Kelsey doesn't check from our elite list is running real fast, but he's fast enough. But if you have guys that are too slow, they can't get those high to eight dot routes. They can't get downfield fast enough. They can't have the yak. We can't have these guys running like a five flat 40. Four, seven or better is usually what I like. What we love is like Kyle Pitts, George Kittle at 4.5, Evan Ingram at 4.42. With the more speed, the more possibility there is for Yak. There's a reason that George Kittle has more plays of 40-plus yards than any tight end in the league over the last few years. He's the only one that has multiple plays of 70-plus yards, and he had three in one season. Like George Kittle, 
Whether or not he can do that still now is up for debate, but George Kittle running a 4-5-2, that's the difference between him and Hunter Henry running a 4-7-4 is one guy gets tackled at 30, 40 yards, and the other guy can run for 67, and that makes all the difference. So that those are the number one things. The very last one is, if possible, be part of a high-volume offense. Of course, I don't ex- have to explain why Travis Kelsey can do that, right? So that those are it. Like Those are the main metrics. All the other things that people talk about, Yards per route run, uh, you know, obviously great metrics, right? Expected fantasy points, all these things. Those are actually composites of these items. So when you say yards per route run, all these things are what lead to that. You can't just have yards per route run without having, being able to run a, a number of routes without blocking. So I always look at the underlying metrics and then we say, okay, well, that's why this guy has such good yards per route run. That's why his expected fantasy points are so high. That's why all these other metrics that people just point to, you can't, you know, if they have those overlying metrics, right? If you score 300 fantasy points, we don't need to deep dive on these guys, right? If they have a high yards per route run, they're already doing it. So we're looking for the underlying metrics. That's what we look for. And here's how I'm handling the elite guys this year. Again, I want this episode to serve as the one definitive tight end episode. That's why I'm going so quickly through some of this. If you're listening on Spotify, you're listening on uh, Apple later down the road, put it on half speed. I'm not going any slower because we got a lot to get through. We only have one hour to get the entire tight end landscape, not just for this year, but we're bringing on David Gautieri to do sleeper tight ends for Dynasty. Guys that you can just pick off the waivers in any of those leagues. We're going that deep. So here's how we're handling it uh, with the elite guys this year. And for this, I look at FFPC ADP because it is just sharper. It's sharper than everybody else. It's also tight end premium. And you'll notice that when things move on FFPC, like Darren Waller moving up the board, shortly after, they start moving up on other sites. So go and look at a guy like Waller, which we'll talk about now on FFPC and see where he's moving. And that's where you're going to see down the road in your hometown leagues. And if you want to take advantage of these ADPs and the things I talk about here, go over to my FFPC, use promo code ALARM when you do a first-time deposit. Anything over $35, they'll give you $25. So I'm going through these elite guys. And Heather, if you have a minute, pull up that uh, that chart for us. Earn Dog is out today, so Heather's helping us out. So uh, these are the, the elite guys, the top seven guys. If you draft one of these players, in my opinion, even if I don't like them at ADP, you've made a big enough investment at the position that you should only be worrying about bye weeks. Nothing else. Just draft these guys. You've invested enough. Don't draft two. I'm the guy that says draft two. If you're going to pay up for one of these guys, don't draft two. So Travis Kelsey's Travis Kelsey. We don't need to explain much on that. He's tier one. To me, tier two is Mark Andrews by himself. He has a top five season of all time. The one time these Ravens decided to actually throw the ball in 2019, top five all time season in fantasy. And now with the air raid, Todd Munkin coming to town, it could happen again. The reason he's not also in tier one is that there's risk on the other side. They're moving to a uh, three wide receiver, one tight end offense. They already said Patrick Ricard, the fullback, is going to be moving more towards a uh, like a hybrid t- blocking tight end role. Don't love that. I liked it better when it was highly consolidated among you know the blocking tight ends and the fullbacks. They don't soak up targets. So it was kind of better for Andrews. The best case scenario for Andrews was the old offense with a lot of volume, which we saw. So there is, and of course, with all these new guys added, it's kind of scary that, uh, you know, what if it's eight flowers and Rashad Bateman and, and Odell Beckham pop? That's the downside. And that's why he's in his own tier. But he also is one of the only guys that can lead his team in targets. The next one 
And the guy that I have tight end three that I already alluded to is Darren Waller. So you look at this list. Last time we looked at this tight end landscape on this very show a couple weeks ago, he was tight end six on FFPC. And on other sites, he was tight end seven. Now he's up to tight end four. These guys are sharp, man. They're paying attention. They're probably following us on Twitter because they know that Darren Waller, he checks every single box as a converted wide receiver that runs high A dot routes. He had the second most red zone targets per game last year behind only George Kittle. Like he checks every single box and now he could be the top target on the team. In fact, everybody around the team is saying he is. So for me, I'm willing to take him as high as tight end three. In this, he goes 46 off the board because it's tight end premium. That's round three or four. In your real leagues, based on other ADP, tight end, uh, he goes off at pick like 60 or so. So you're talking about round five or six. But FFPC, because we're so good at tight end, this is where we play. We get huge advantage from the tight end premium, right? And the last one of this crew that I'm taking is Kyle Pitts. I'm not really reaching for him, but let's just think about the conditions that we need to have upside. He's got to be a top two target on the team. Don't really love that for Kittle. Don't really love that for Goddard. Kyle Pitts, number two, him and Drake London, 1A, 1B. You look at the target share last year, one of the top tight ends in the league, if not the top. You look at the ADOT, top in the league. Speed, second in the league, only behind Evan Ingram. Like if this team just decides to throw a little bit more than they did last year, could be wheels up. I've seen this guy have a thousand yard season at age 21 already. He's 22 now. Travis Kelsey didn't have a thousand yard season until he was 27. Zach Ertz didn't have a thousand yard season until he was 28. Delaney Walker didn't have a thousand yard season until he was 31. Like it usually takes time for these guys. Pitts has already done it. The problem is Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke might just not be good enough. So at some point, this guy is going to pop. He's a dynasty ad stash trade, get him wherever you can. But for now, we might be waiting. We might be waiting, but I'm willing to take that risk this year. Uh, so those are the guys I like at ADP. Go over to myffpc.com and use that information to your advantage. If you use promo code ALARM, deposit 35 bucks or more, they'll give you 25 bucks. And if you win a league like that, if you win the FFPC league, high stakes fantasy league where you can play anywhere from $5 to 5,000, the main event is 2,000, you win a million bucks. If you forget the million bucks, you put that in your Twitter profile that you're a high stakes FFPC champion, you're the man or you're the lady, you're the boss. That's what happens. So you get go out, win one of those leagues, get yourself gold-plated. That's what's up there. Now, I got to talk about the other guys real quick, uh, Dallas Goddard and George Kittle. Now, you might be saying, okay, uh, you didn't talk about them. You actually said some bad things about them. Here's the thing. If you want to play it very, quote-unquote, safe, a guy like Dallas Goddard is a very safe pick. When everyone was healthy, he got 5.6 targets per game. Uh, A.J. Brown had eight and Devonta Smith had 7.7. So he's clearly the third target, but 5.6 targets can get us to the milestones we need to be at. Those milestones, every top five tight end going back to 2003 Randy McMichael had either 90 targets or 10 touchdowns. 5.6 targets per game does technically get us there. The touchdowns, he's probably not going to get us there on the touchdowns. This guy, uh, Dallas Goddard, only eight end zone targets over the last three years combined, three years. Mike Gusecki last year on a 35% target share had eight just last year. Dallas Goddard is scary from that standpoint. And if you don't believe me and you think he's going to score a ton of touchdowns, go and bet on it. Every site I've checked has his over under touchdown total at three and a half, three and a half. I even put money on it. I'm not drafting in my leagues. I said, I'll just put money, money on this guy being just okay. If he has four touchdowns, then, then draft him. So I have money on the over on Goddard, but I'm not picking up an ADP. 
The other one, George Kittle. I mean, people come to me and say, Darren Waller's going to get hurt. That's why I can't draft him. Well, George Kittle's been hurt four years in a row. George Kittle's hurt right now. George Kittle's hurt right this second, and he's been hurt four years in a row. And when everyone was healthy, he was the fourth target on the team behind Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. So George Kittle, that this is the hardest part for us to separate as fancy gamers versus NFL fans. Everyone loves George Kittle. George Kittle's awesome. He's the man. Seems like if I could pick any player to have a beer with, I'd pick George Kittle. But the problem we run into is we need those targets. We can't just bank on the touchdowns. Last year, he had 11 touchdowns. That's what masked the issue. Again, go, go to Vegas. Five and a half is where that line is set. You think he has 11 again? Easy money. You should be sitting on a, a beach somewhere with, with an umbrella in your drink at this time next year because you made all that George Kittle money just betting that he'll have six, not 11. Six is where the line is set. You know, So that's where I'm at with those guys. I'm, I'm not taking a lot of Kittle or Goddard. You can go right ahead because – you know, if you put them in your lineup, you feel pretty good about it, don't you? But we care about difference-making upside. Kelsey, Andrews, Waller, Pitts, those are the guys from that group. Uh, the last one that we didn't really talk about, TJ Hawkinson, another one, very safe. That that one's a simple bet, honestly. It's the most simple one of them. Fantasy football doesn't have to be hard. Do you think that he gets more targets than Jordan Addison? If you do, then TJ Hawkinson has a ton of upside and you like him. If you don't, then he's just okay, right? He, he Then he falls back into the Dallas Goddard tight end handcuff category. Dallas Goddard is a safe player. And if one of the wide receivers gets hurt, he has mega upside. But on his own, without the injuries, he really doesn't. If he was a running back, we would call him a, a handcuff plus. That's what we would call him. And George Kittle, to a certain degree, is that guy as well, if you believe in Jordan Addison. If you don't, if you think Jordan Addison stinks, then and KJ Osborne does, then Hawkinson, I, I have no problem with people ranking him at three if they want. If they that's what they truly believe, that he's going to be a second target behind Justin Jefferson, then rank him at three. I haven't ranked at four. I think it's very possible. So I you know, I don't mind taking him to these slides. I'm just going for higher upside. I can't take TJ Hawkinson, who I know is behind Justin Jefferson and might be behind Jordan Addison when I think Darren Waller is going to lead the entire Giants in targets completely. So that's where I'm at with the elite guys. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here from our buddies over, over at FFPC. And then I'm going to come back with the fun stuff. The reality, I'm, I draft Waller out of that group. And that's about it. I'm not really reaching for anybody else. Waller, I'll draft at ADP. But I like going with this next strategy. Yin and Yang, tight end. This is my favorite. This is how we put ourselves on the map. And we keep winning leagues doing this. So we're going to keep doing it. So quick words from FFPC, and then we're going to get into yin and yang strategy for 2023, the definitive look at it. Reese Hall right now, uh, and I've talked to plenty of high stakes players. I'm sure you have too, Kev. Had Hall not torn his ACL last year, he might have been the 101 in drafts this year. That's how good he was looking last year, and obviously with the addition of Aaron Rodgers. At the 305, running back 11 behind Derrick Henry and Rodgers Stevenson, right ahead of Jameer Gibbs and Najee Harris, your thoughts on him as a as a mid-third round pick. How have you been attacking him? Have you been getting him at that spot so far this year? Yeah, if I start out with two wide receivers, Brees Hall is right at the top of the queue coming into the third. Um, if I knew he'd be healthy for week one, I'm I still a little... Well, he'd be going I, higher than yeah, he'd be going higher like, than the mid-third. Right, he, he certainly, he may go one-on-one, well, RB1 at least. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't think we know that even if he's healthy in spring and the summer mm-hmm. I still like if I'm running a team if I'm the coach I'm bringing him back slow like I, I'm I, I, he's on a pitch count like I want him for the end of the season because I got Aaron Rodgers for the playoffs right like even if he's fully healthy, I would work him in slow. But that is actually what you want. Like, mm-hmm. he's still going to get the high-value touches. So, yeah, if we know he's healthy, he's a first-rounder. So, like, if he's sitting there in the third, especially when I get two wide receivers to start, I'll take Hall all day. Yeah, it almost makes me think that the uncertainty with Brees Hall has made him unfairly fall too far, right? Like, right. Um, be- because of... You know, we're, we're talking about um, the team in, here in June. They're still hoping that he's ready for week one. This is not, oh, we'll see what happens. Oh, we're taking it day by day. Oh, we're liking always coming along. No, they, they still think by week one. And the fact that we have that timeline, I think, maybe bumps him up, especially as the drafting season gets deeper and deeper here in July and August. Maybe we start seeing him go up the boards uh, as well. What's up, gang? We are back. We are talking tight ends today. Biggest show of the year. So, honestly, we're skipping the next break. Heather, not doing another break. I love hearing from those guys. I'm going to do some, you know, I'll drop some ADPs for FFPC, uh, drop some promo codes. We're not doing another break because we don't have time. We really don't. We're doing yin and yang tight end now, and then we're bringing David Gautieri on to talk about sleeper tight ends. It's just too important. It's too important. So, yin and yang tight end, this is a strategy we've been using for a while now. Uh, Simple. The yin is your safe tight end. You're starting to begin the season. A guy that might not have the best ceiling, but he's cheap and you can count on him to not get you zeros early on. The yang tight end is a guy you you take. He's your high risk, high reward play. And basically what we do is we start one guy and we keep swapping the other guy on the bench until we hit. Every year for six years in a row now, a tight end has come from outside the top 17 in ADP to finish top five. We're talking Evan Ingram. Uh, Eric Ebron scored 13 touchdowns with Andrew Luck. People forget about that. Uh, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller. Uh, you have Logan Thomas, Dalton Schultz. They are out there, and we are going to find them. Last year was Evan Ingram again. Tight end 20, finished tight end five. Game's easy. But here's the reason why. People out there always say, oh, why not just draft the upside guy? Well, because in those early weeks, before we know what's going on, they don't always hit, they don't always hit, they don't always hit and they don't always hit right away. Last year, Cole Komet started the season with back-to-back zeros. He finished at tight end eighth by some miracle, but back-to-back zeros. Evan Ingram, through four weeks, was tight end 22, right? You didn't want to start those guys right away. And there are people out there that say that they started Darren Waller and Mark Andrews when in their breakout year, week one. They didn't. And if they did, it was dumb. What you got to do is go out and get the safest possible play. Last year was the easiest example ever because we were picking Zach Ertz because DeAndre Hopkins was suspended. We had six weeks. We had six weeks to find the breakout tight end. If you started Zach Ertz for six weeks, he, he didn't get hurt. He eventually got hurt like week eight or nine, but the plan was six weeks while Hopkins was out. If you started Ertz for six weeks and then pivoted to Evan Ingram, you had the tight end three for the entire year. Evan uh, Ertz was tight end three for those six weeks. Ingram was tight end three for the rest of the year. Cole Komet was like tight end four from that point on, uh, even though, you know, there were some bumpy patches, of course, but we're talking about just filling the spot using no draft capital. 
That's the difference. Is the other people that had TJ Hawkinson, they had to pay for TJ Hawkinson. We re- we recreated him. We created him as Frankenstein tight end. That's what yin and yang is. So basically, put, think of it this way. You have uh, your tight end, your yin. The whole thing is a rocket ship, and the yin is the boosters. You need the boosters to get us going, and then they break off, and the yang tight end takes us to the moon, right? So a guy like Logan Thomas in 2020, he was tight end six through 20. Sorry, he was tight end 26 through six weeks, and then he finished tight end three. We needed somebody during that span there. So real quick, I'm going to go through some of the boring guys. Uh, these guys, for whatever reason, they don't have the upside, whether they're not not a top two target on the team. They're not particularly athletic. They, they just don't have the upside we want, but we can throw them in our lineup week one and feel pretty darn good about it. So Heather, pull up those yin tight end ADPs. These are based on FFPC as always, sharpest place to play. Uh, so that's why we're going with these. Evan Ingram, now, people come to me on my timeline. They say, Coop, Evan Ingram, we're doing it again, right? And I say, no, we're not necessarily doing it again. Last year, he was a Yang because we didn't know the target pecking order. Could have been Christian Kirk. Could have been Zay Jones. Could have been Ingram. Ingram got away with it, but he technically was the third target on the team. One of the very few guys to sneak in that tight end five or six as the third target on the team. It was technically Zay Jones, and he had up weeks, down weeks. Now with Calvin Ridley there, we we know he's going to get a couple targets, but it's hard to picture him having difference-making upside. And when I say that, I don't mean just backdooring his way to top five. I mean guys that actually change the landscape of the league, right? So uh, you got to you gotta draft him. If you're going to draft him, I still like him. I take him as my safe tight end. He checks all the boxes in terms of athleticism, dot lines up a wide receiver. It's just Calvin Ridley's there. Conditions have changed. So Ingram's one I like. Another one I like, Pat Frymuth. He's locked into the role, right? He... He does a lot of the things, high A dot. We just saw this past week down the seam, touchdown, right? Beautiful. He's got the skill set. The problem is we wonder about the quarterback. We wonder about Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and to a lesser degree, Allen Robinson. How does that target pecking order shake out? So, I mean, some of these guys, there are times where they just prove to be a top target on the team and you don't need another tight end. Like sometimes you, you draft a Pat Fryermuth, he just gets more targets than George Pickens and you can just drop the other guy. Now, sometimes it works like that. That's why I like Fryermuth. Uh, the other one I have on this list as a guy I'm taking that I have never liked in the past, but again, when conditions change, we have to go with it. Tyler Higby is a guy that checks almost zero of the boxes athletic, athletically, right? He does not have a top. So he, he's slow. He runs low a dot at times. He blocks on a crazy number of pass plays. His career uh, pass block percentage is like 30 something percent. It's outrageous. But last year, and last year was at like 17, which is still outside of where we want to live. That's a big problem for this guy. But he could be a top two target on the team. And you feel okay about him. Like week one, I'd be shocked if he throws up a zero. But last year, he had two games where he played 70 and 80% of the snaps, and he did throw up a zero. So maybe I wouldn't be shocked. I would be disappointed in myself for falling for the Tyler Higby trap that everyone else falls for. But when you look around at these ADPs, it's not terrible. I mean, I prefer Ingram or Frymuth, but if you got to wait – uh, Higby, at least you can start him week one and know that he's going to play and he's not going to give you a zero spot. So those are some of the guys we like. Everyone else on that list we like. And if you go to fantasyalarm.com slash draft guide, the, I have the full thing in there. And after this show, we're going to color code it. So I have my top guys, top seven guys. Then I have my yin list, my yang list, and I'm going to color code it based on ADP, based on who we like, who we don't like. So that it just makes it a lot easier for you. That's why it's important to get the draft guide because I update that 
regularly. If someone gets hurt tomorrow, it will be updated tomorrow. This video cannot be updated uh, until you know Elon Musk and, and all the AI monsters out there figure out a way to chat GTP me into the database, and we can just update all the videos all the time every time someone gets hurt. But until then, that's not going to happen. Uh, let's hit on the Yang tight ends, and then I'm going to bring in David Gattieri, and we're going to hit on the deep sleepers. So uh, these, are the, these are the league winners. These are the guys where if you're playing on FFPC, just target these guys, especially the big tournaments, uh, the Scott Fish Bowls, things like that, where uh, it, it consolidates at the end of the year. These are the big league winners, man. So uh, if you go, want to take advantage of that, go to myffpc.com, use promo code ALARM. They'll give you 25 bucks if you deposit more than 35 uh, But these are the ones I'm going after. The number one guy I'm going after is Dalton Kincaid. I do not care that he's a rookie tight end. And Heather, if you could pull up that graphic, I don't care that he's rookie tight end. I've already done articles explaining where and when rookie tight ends can break out. And there's a lot of situations where they can't. I'm the one that pours cold water all over them in those situations. But for Dalton Kincaid, I'm fully on board with the setup. He is already playing slot, played 50% of his snaps at wide receiver so far in the preseason games. Brandon Bean said he was going to play wide receiver. And, uh, Cole Beasley in that exact role at age 31, 32, and 33 got back to back to back 100 target seasons. They traded for this guy in the first round, traded up to take him. They say he's going to play wide receiver. All bets are off. Forget the rookie tight end thing. We're talking about rookie slot wide receiver that you can start at tight end. It's as easy as that. And since we're doing yin and yang, you don't have to start a rookie tight end week one, right? You draft somebody else and put this guy on the bench. Also, shout out Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave. Honestly, those guys kind of sneakily have similar positions and profiles, not as good, but you got to keep an eye on them. We might be pivoting right away to one of those guys if they're popping off early. All right. So next one, this guy's a little safer, a little less risky, but less upside going with David Njoku. He's picked 96 tight end 10. I don't draft him too often because Kincaid goes after him and I prefer Kincaid, but David Njoku, I mean, this guy's a physical specimen. He was stuck behind Austin Hooper, playing with Jacoby Brissett the last couple of years. Now he's got the perfect storm for 2023. And as part of the yin-yang strategy, uh, he also has bye week five, super early bye week. So you might as well draft two tight ends anyway. Uh, Dave Njoku, though, if I was going to draft one guy from this range and just start on week one, I would consider Njoku. Uh, but again, the upside is there. He could be easily be the second target after, uh, after Amari Cooper. But the problem is they brought in Elijah Moore. We don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. It could just be really bad, you know? So you have to keep in mind the downside for these guys is scary. David Njoku, as much as we like his profile and everything else, he's actually never done it, right? I mean, Dallas Goddard's never finished top 10 in half PPR anyway, but that's a different story, but he's never really quite done it. Uh, the other two we like, Dalton Schultz, tight end 11. Not going to get too deep into it. We don't really love the athleticism, but why can't he be a top target on his team? There's no reason why he can't be a top target on that team. They paid for him to get there. Uh, top paid uh, free agent tight end this year. Uh, the other thing I like is they use a fullback. They are, they're building that 49ers offense. Andrew Beck's going to play a ton of snaps. That's going to highly consolidate the targets among uh, the top wide receivers and Dalton Schultz, and those wide receivers aren't that good. Uh, the last one I have to get out there is Chica Conquo. Uh, we loved everything about his profile. Yards per route run was high. Uh, ADOT is good. You know, he lined up a wide receiver a ton, doesn't block on pass plays, checks a ton of those boxes. Problem is they brought in DeAndre Hopkins, pushed him out from a top two target. But with the injury to Traylon Burks, now that door is slightly open. So here's what I'm doing. Pretty simple. By some of my favorite pairings, draft Evan Ingram and Dalton Kincaid. I just wait on tight end and I take two. 
It's like a later bully. T- People are willing to go bully tight end, but they're not willing to wait and take tight ends like 10 and 12. It's not that hard. You take Ingram, Kincaid. You can't do Ingram and Dulcich with Laporta because of bye weeks. But, uh, you know, those are those are some other guys that we talked about in the mix there. Uh, another one I like, uh, Pat Fryermuth, David Njoku. The other beautiful one about this is they have bye weeks five and six super early. So you, you draft them both, start them through the bye week, and then you trade the other one. If they both pop, perfect. Because now you turn to somebody else and say, hey, here's your tight end for the rest of the year. You take this guy. I'm going to start this guy. Done and done, right? Early bye week, it, it kind of justifies taking two. Makes us feel better about it, right? Uh, then the last thing I'm going to mention before we bring in David Gautieri is some people, like myself at times, are willing to go yang, yang, tight end. It is very risky. Uh, I mean, I like doing it just because I don't care. Uh, I go crazy. But last year, I had teams where I went Cole Komet and Evan Ingram, and for four weeks, it was a nightmare. Cole Komet put up back-to-back zeros to start the season. And then week three, if I pivoted to Evan Ingram, he had like you know one catch for nine yards. Like It was a true nightmare, and that's why you at times don't want to do that. But there's a couple options I do like. The Dalton, the, the double Dalton dip of Dalton Schultz and Dalton Kincaid. I mean, I don't feel crazy about starting Dalton Schultz week one and throwing Kincaid on the bench. Uh, the other one I like is just going crazy athleticism with Njoku and Chig and just saying, you know what, these guys are monsters. They'll figure it out. Uh, and taking those two guys, starting Njoku, maybe even starting Chig week one if Traylon Burks is out. Uh, but, you know, those are some options there. But, yeah, Ying, Yang Yang kind of dangerous. But, uh, you know, we I we're skipping the break, Heather. I'm bringing in David in right now. Just get him in here. We need to get another one of the tight end whispers up on the screen here. Uh, there, there's no, there's really no time to waste, man. This should be two hour show. We should just cancel Brits Blitz today and and do uh, and do a double show. Dave, what's up, brother? What's up, man? I agree. All gas, no breaks. Let's go. All gas, dude. Let's go, dog. Yeah, cancel Brits show. We're doing two hour show, Heather. Let's go. Wrap it up. Text Heather. Text Brit. Uh, so what's up, buddy? Again, I had Howard Bender on, who was the tight end whisperer for me when I first started. Like, you know, his eye test still to this day unmatched. Like, he's just, you know, you and me, we we prefer the metrics more. We're more new school. His eye test is still killer. I and he, you know, Howard's got all the metrics. He's a, he's a fantasy legend. But you, I went on your show and I talked to you, and I love a ton of the things that you do over there, man. The first thing I want you to talk about is from a dynasty perspective your i love the spreadsheet you have with the metrics and the ruling out per, the outside the parameters we need right where if people are outside of them the hit rate is so low and people don't realize it man so can you hit, hit us with a little bit of of kind of that system and and how effective it is absolutely so really it just starts from charting the holistic profile we want to know everything about every tight end from how productive they were in college whether they were an early declare, how high they were drafted, uh, what they did in the NFL in terms of points per game, in terms of efficiency, stuff like yards per route run. So we're just putting it all down on paper and then lining it up together and color coding it. So we're looking at height, weight, draft capital, early declare, 40 time, vertical, dom- college dominator rating, college yards per reception, catch radius, uh, NFL points per game through four years and uh, NFL yards per route run through four years. So mm-hmm. that's really just giving us every sort of valuable piece of information about these tight ends and then color coding it. Uh, for example, uh, draft capital. 
that's a huge one. When we huge. look at hit rates, it's almost a 90% hit rate for at least one top 12 season if you're drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. So that's huge. We look at that. Uh, early declare is important at every position. That's just players who are going pro after three years versus four or five. So it makes sense that obviously those guys are going to be better. 40 time is huge. Uh, the slowest guy in the top 12 right now is TJ Hawkinson at 4740. Uh, so we don't really want players going much slower than that. Uh, it's hard to be efficient at that uh, sort of. They, they need to be peppered with targets. Like look at Zach Ertz. People, if you ask the average fantasy gamer how many thousand yard seasons Zach Ertz has, they would say, "Oh, he's got like five. But because he's similar speed to Hawkinson, right? Maybe even a little slower. Um, yeah, he was know, four seven six, I think. Was right. Ertz. So he needed 150 targets to crack a thousand, and that's that. Your spreadsheet is helping us identify where where and when it's possible versus you know every once in a while you'll have an outlier but you're making sure people know the bet they're placing right like you we talked about chicken conco i'm in you're not in as much and you kind of let me know like hey this guy uh, i believe a big thing with him is he doesn't have the size he's not he's the height the weight he's not quite there those guys like evan engram get banged up uh it you know it's hard for them in the red zone so you on you got to understand the risks you're going in and know which guys are so far towards either end that it's just not going to be possible. Or if it's like Kyle Pitts, he's so far towards one end where you're like, sell the family farm, right? Well, the thing with Chig also was he was never really a high volume player in college. His yes, college yes. dominator rating was only 15.7%, and he played four years. And then he was only drafted in the fourth round, the late compensatory section of the fourth round. He wasn't super efficient in college either, 9.6 yards per reception. Um, and a lot of people say college production doesn't matter for tight ends. It just, it, it, who cares what they did in college? I'm not one of those people. No. You look at the top 12, heck, even the top 15 tight ends in Dynasty. Every single one of them had a college dominator rating in at least one season, 18% or above. And Kyle Pitts, 24%. Mark Andrews, 18%. Travis Kelsey, 27%. Hawkinson, 24%. Kittle, 23%. Goddard, 30%. Kincaid, 34%. Right. Firemuth, 24%. Waller, 32%. Laporta, 25%. Njoku, 24%. Meyer, 35%. Uh, Deltrix, 27%. Ingram, 29%. It's not till you get down to like Dalton Schultz, uh, who's yeah. at like 11%, where it's like, all right, he wasn't productive. It's scary, college. man. So it and does that, matter. Yeah. And that's the thing with, with Oconquo. It's like, the up we we all recognize the upside, but you're just warn you're warning people that guys like that where it's like you know good comes out randomly runs a good forty time looks good with his shirt off makes a couple interesting plays that is all the upside's nice but that's also the formula for Johnny Smith right yeah so you do have to give him credit for the NFL stuff like we're also charting that we also but his points per game was not super high Chico Conco six point one points per game that's like the light red area. Uh, his yards per run was fantastic, but again, that's a small sample. You can kind of get into trouble extrapolating that sometimes. Um, so it's definitely a wide range of outcomes with Chico Conquo and them adding DeAndre Hopkins certainly doesn't help. Perfect. Now, before we get into sleepers, I got a question in the chat here, a guy I didn't talk about. So for those just joining us now, uh, I covered the elite tight ends. Then I hit my yin and yang strategy for the mid range tight ends and you know, in most leagues, you're not drafting guys after the guys I put up there. Like I went through tight ends, like top 20 tight ends or so, uh, both for dynasty and regular. So I figured I'd bring you in for the deeper guys. We have a question in the chat here. Uh, Michael uh, Chasco asks, is Jake Ferguson left off because there's too many mouth mouths to feed in Dallas? 
how are you feeling about the Dallas tight ends? And uh, and what are your thoughts on, on Ferguson versus Hendershot versus Schoonmaker versus whoever else? Uh, let's just say that none of them have good profiles. That's where I'm at, man. Uh, Jake Ferguson, he was a fourth-round pick. He's super slow, 4'8", 140. Was not efficient, uh, 10 yards per reception in college. But I will give him the caveat. He was productive in college with a 28% dominator rating. So he was uh, higher. And dominator rating, just to clarify, is the percentage of the team receiving yardage and the percentage of the team touchdown combined divided by two. So if you have 20% of the yards, 30% of the touchdowns, combine them, divide by two, you have a 25% dominator rating. So he was productive, just not efficient. Um, and you don't have to be a good profile or even a good tight end to have success in a high, high-powered high offense. And we saw this with Dalton Schultz, like I just talked about Ferguson's profile. Uh, when Schultz was in, he didn't have a good profile either. Almost the same thing. Fourth-round right. pick, 4 7 5 40. Uh, he wasn't productive in college, 11% dominator. He wasn't efficient either, 9.6 yards per reception. He didn't do anything in his first two years in points per game. He had bad yards per route run. Schultz, 0.94 and 0.4 his first two years. Uh, Ferguson was actually efficient. He had a 1.79 yards per route run as a rookie. Uh, Schoonmacher, I don't think his profile was very good outside no, of his no. second-round pick. Two and broken tackles all he, college, man. He was not a high-volume player, 15% dominator. 11.9 yards per reception, not efficient either. So he wasn't uh, high volume or efficient in college. Uh, I think the 40 kind of pushed him up the draft boards. He's missed a lot of time in camp. Hendershaw, I think, will see some time. But I think Ferguson's going to be the starter, and I think he would probably be a guy you'll get some starts out of this year. Yeah, the other thing that scared me a little bit with Ferg Dog is if you look at the two games where Schultz missed last year, uh Peyton Hendershot actually played more snaps in the slot and ran more routes in those two games. So they did split it, like you say. If you have a – Peyton Hendershot might just end up being their version of Anthony Ferkser or Cameron Brait that just sucks just enough away from the starter to, that makes them both irrelevant. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm out there. And, again, the guy like Dalton Schultz, like he – you know, we're chasing targets here, but this could be Austin Hooper part two. Right where he goes from a high volume team to a new new lower volume team, and then we look at it, and we're like, oh wait a second, this guy isn't good enough to produce. He's not George Kittle. He's not going to have a sixty yard touchdown or, or produce all these touchdowns on low volume targets. Like this guy needs targets, right? To his defense, and I I hate to defend Dalton Schultz, but he's not priced up anywhere near as high as Austin Hooper was. So yeah, it does, does seem as if we learned that lesson a little bit. Yeah, his best um, compare. Uh, Dalton Schultz's best comparable player athletically on player profiler is Austin Hooper. So it is, it is a little scary, but you're right. It's, it's not as, it's not as expensive. Uh, so speaking of not expensive, I brought you in because I want you to, I covered the top part of landscape. I want to look at outside the top 20 tight ends in ADP. So I'm looking at FFPC dynasty ADP. We're talking guys that go within the top 20 uh, Dalton Schultz, Luke Musgrave, Chig, and Joku, obviously, even down to Tyler Higby and Trey McBride and Irv Smith. Uh, so those are the top 20 or so guys. And those guys go in the top 180 picks, which means, you know, uh, one of these leagues over there, it's usually 20 roster spots, 12 teams. So we're talking, you know, 240. Uh, so we're talking, these guys are very back into the draft, and most of them are going to be outside 
of ADP. So let me ask you, uh, let me ask you quick. If from from this range, and I, we both looked at it, you know, this guy's like Juwan Johnson, Isaiah Likely, Johnny Woods, Gerald Everett, Jake Ferguson, Kate Otten. Those are the guys being drafted. Is there anybody in that range that you could actually convince yourself that you could start for your fantasy team if you had to? Obviously, you, you know, nobody wants to start one of those guys necessarily, but who would you like best of those guys to start week one or early for your team? Well, I would first say anytime we're talking about late round tight ends, it's important to talk about the fact that almost all of these guys are not going to matter. Yep. And the hit rate on getting one of these guys to actually become a player that matters is extremely low. We look back to the year 2000, there have been 38 instances of a tight end scoring 15 plus points per game. And that's about 22 years. 28 out of 38 were the same seven tight ends. So those elite seasons are almost strictly repeat performers. So we want to be investing in guys like Travis Kelsey uh, and Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, George Kittle. Uh, You know, we want to be investing in these repeat performers because they're the most likely to do it again. And the guys who haven't done it before are just not good bets to enter. We don't get a lot of new entries into the position uh, the upper tier, like we do at wide receiver and running back, it's just harder to find those kind of talents. They're a rare breed, the elite tight ends. Right. Uh, so don't expect to get uh, a, a huge season out of anybody going like that. It's almost exclusively going to come from the guys who did it. Before. Well, I will say at some point, all those guys, they, I mean, maybe not Pitts, obviously, but guys like Darren Waller and George Kittle, who was a fifth round pick, and and Mark Andrews, who wasn't even the first tight end drafted, at, at some point, all those guys are available on waivers. So it's not a useless process, but I, I'm fully with you. My strategy for Dynasty is if I'm competing to win now, if I think I'm going to win now, take that list, the top guys you just named, like seven or so guys, go get one of those guys, man. If you rank the teams in your league based on who you think can actually win this year and you're within the top five, that means one of those teams below you is not in a position to compete and they probably have one of those guys so go pry waller away or kittle or anybody and and give yourself a better shot right but now let's go back to it and i'm gonna just clip all the stuff out that you said and just just clip this one part where you're gonna pick a player (laughs) and just put you on blast and be like be like i brought him on and he said this is the guy Uh, no but but it's not a useless process at all. You're right, because we identified like a guy like Logan Thomas two years ago. We got a top five season at him right, by right. identifying him as a late round tight end target. So you can absolutely uh, get value in the late round test. And I think it's important when we're looking at from a dynasty perspective, looking at the actual ADP, some of these guys you mentioned, we're gonna, I'm going to name a few of these guys who will probably, you'll be able to start this year. They're probably going to score 100 plus total points. Uh, especially if we talk about if it's a tight end premium league, if there's 1.5 tight end premium, these guys, some of these guys are going to score over 150 points. And then we look at some of the other positional options going this late in ADP, uh, like the running backs. We're talking about Deontay Foreman, Jerome Ford, Israel Banacondas, Amir White, Sean Tucker, Evan Hull, Dwayne McBride, like uh, Isaiah Spiller. These are guys who, who might score zero points. Almost all of them project for sub 50 points. Look at these, some, some of these wide receivers. Tyquan Thornton, uh, Charlie Jones, like Trey Palmer, Greg Dorch, like it's gross in there. It can be, especially at the running back. Like there's more upside if you know, say two running backs get hurt. A Malik Davis, you know, we don't even know if this guy's going to be on the roster. But if he does make the roster, and Pollard and Rico Dowd get hurt, you know, I, I, I could confidently start him. Right. Whereas opposed to these tight ends, like 
I don't know if you're ever going to be able to super confidently start them, but they are going to have some value and you'll be able to throw them into the flex in a pinch. Uh, like I, think I, I think I would confidently confidently start only one from this range. If Mark Andrews goes down, I feel like I'd be okay. I feel pretty good about starting Isaiah Likely. You know? I think, yeah, you could include Isaiah Likely. I think there's a whole lot because we're basically talking streamers at this point. Like yeah, yeah. Irv Smith is the tight end 21. I'm just going to go in order of ADP. And I like to use bulletproof ADP because it's actual dynasty drives. Irv Smith, uh, Hayden Hurst was a top 20 tight end. He scored over 100 points last year. Profile aside, he's in a high-scoring offense. He's probably going to score some points. Uh, We talk about Gerald Everett. He's increased his uh, production in receptions and receiving yards every single year. In five consecutive years, that's gone up. He had 58 receptions last year in a high-scoring offense. He's probably going to score over 100 points. You can get him the 16th round of a dynasty star. Tyler Higby, he had over 70, 70 receptions last year. And before Stafford got hurt, he was doing even better. He was a top 10 tight end through the first 12 weeks before Stafford got hurt. And I don't even like Tyler Higby. But when he's going into the 17th round, you're going to be able to start him. And in the premium league, he's getting exactly. credited as if he's recording like 90 to 100 receptions. So he's absolutely a guy you could throw in the flex in a pitch. Just really talk about deeper leagues. I mean, these guys aren't going to have a lot of flex value if we're talking to two wide receiver, one flex. But this is, this is a three wide receiver, two flex, or a two wide receiver, three flex league, you get hit with injuries and buys, you're going to need a, just a, a warm body some of the times. So you're going to have to take a tight end who could score. Uh, Juwan Johnson, tight end 25. Uh, he had seven touchdowns last year. All the reports have been good this year. Dawson Knox, just by being in a high score on offense, he's probably going to get five, you know, seven touchdowns. Both of the Patriots tight ends, uh, they're probably going to score close to 100 points, if not more. Hayden Hurst, Tyler Conklin's had – uh, 55 plus receptions in back-to-back years. Uh, and now he's got Aaron Rodgers. He could be like a 70 reception player. If we talk about a tight end premium league, that he's getting credited for like 1.5, close to hundred receptions uh, in that sort of league. So you could flex Tyler Conklin in a pinch as well. I think compared to all these third string running backs who probably nine out of 10 are going to score under 25 points this year. There's a lot of actual points to be had at tight end late in dynasty drafts. So I think it's important to note that. That's the trick. Yeah. I mean, especially for the tight end premium, like FFPC, right? Like those formats, that's where, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at a Tyler Boyd versus an Irv Smith. And if the targets aren't going to be far off, one guy is going to be more valuable, you know? So uh, definitely something to think about there from, from this group. What are some guys that have kind of picked up some steam that you're not as high on, that you're pouring a little cold water on? Like, you know, we always get – that's the thing about the tight ends, uh, being tight end guys like we are. I think I've been tagged in a post with the name of every single tight end in the league, and I'm sure you have as well. Just at some point, somebody like in the chat saying, what about Jake Ferguson? What about Kate Odden? What about Darnell Washington? Like, all like, there's – Somebody wants to know about every one of these guys. A lot of times it's your hometown league. You know, I got people saying, hey, I'm a Panthers fan. What do you think about Tommy Tremble? And then I got to break their little heart by saying that Tommy Tremble's probably not going to ever do a damn thing. But so, like, what about what are some guys from this range that have been getting some steam that you're just not quite on? You're, you're, you're well, I think you named him. I think you named him. Like, <laughs> I would prefer to bet on uh, a talent this yes. late when. If I'm going on an unproven guy like a Kate Otten or a Jake, Jake Ferguson, yeah, they probably maybe have a median projection higher than a Noah Fant or Jelani Woods. 
but I'm not taking them over those. I want the talent first. Like I want to give up, up on Noah fan completely. I don't yeah, know. About yeah, you, we but... look at Noah fan from a dynasty perspective and, and we talk about like repeat performers is going to be a guy who did it before it, who broke out last year. It wasn't some random guy, Kate Otten type. It was Evan Ingram who was a, a first round pick who had put up 90 plus targets before who was an athlete. And we look at Noah Fant. He was, he was doing everything he wanted through his college career. He was productive in college, over 25% dominator in. Even with TJ Hawkinson. Even with TJ Hawkinson. He was an early declare. He went pro after three college seasons. He was drafted in the first round, ran four or five forties an athlete. Great. He was second on his team in targets in his second year. So we have seen this guy be an effective player before. And it obviously there was a lot of regression in Seattle last year. Yeah. Probably not going to happen this year. But in Dynasty, what happens when he's a free agent and he gets to pick his spot like Evan Ingram got to pick right, his spot? Right. And maybe yeah. go somewhere on an open depth chart with a with a uprising quarterback, you know? Right. There's a lot of upside in just stashing him in the 20th round. If, if we're going to call Dalton Schultz, like, give him the Austin Hooper Award, then why can't Noah Fant be like the Delaney Walker? Where he, you know, he's stuck. he was stuck behind Vernon Davis for a long time. When he finally left and went to the Titans, now he's a focal point of the offense. A guy like Noah Fant, you know, you're playing with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. What are you supposed to do? And especially this year, his value is probably going to go to zero, you know, playing with those guys and JSN. But next year, like you said, he's going to be able to pick a spot like Mike Gusecki did. Like, you know, you get, you get stuck. He didn't want to be traded. And they picked up his fifth-year option, right? So, like, he had zero. he's had zero choice this whole way. You know, he you can't stop them from picking up that fifth-year option. And he's still fairly young. We talked about... Uh, how old is he right now? We talked about how Zach Ertz. I think he's 25. 25. Zach Ertz didn't have a thousand yard season until he was 28. Evan Ingram just broke out again last year at 27. So there's still time with a guy like Noah Fan. I like that one a lot. Uh, well, let me ask you because we got to get you out of here. Uh, I'm, we're looking at, and I know, know you have a, a nice set of uh, ADP with your guys over there. And I'd love uh, for you to plug all the stuff you got going on after this. Uh, but we're looking at FFPC ADP right now. They're the sponsor of the show. Uh, and it really is sharp gamers over there, and it's tight end premium. Uh, so I like looking at that. They have leagues, dynasty leagues, ranging from 100 bucks to 5000 And you can go over there, do a new league, pick up an orphan league, whatever you got to do, uh, get in on those. Use promo code ALARM when you sign up. They'll give you 25 bucks if you uh, deposit 35 or more. But they, I was talking to Eric Bachman. He said – a FFPC dynasty league has never folded. They've always been able to keep them rolling, keep, you know, new people coming in, grabbing the orphan team. So uh, never folded. So at least you can count on uh, that. You know, you're not going to make your picks and have somebody bail on you, but I'm looking over there and I'm going to give you probably the toughest assignment that you can get is I'm going to look at the rookie tight ends and I'm going to take the obvious guys off the board. I'm going to take Dalton Kincaid, Michael Meyer. I'm going to take Sam Laporta. And I'm going to take Luke Musgrave too, which leaves you with Luke Schoonmaker, Darnell Washington, Tucker Craft, Elijah Higgins, Brenton Strange, Davis Allen, Josh Wiley, Cameron Latu, Will Mallory. Like these are all shot in the dark guys. We're talking taxi squad level guys. If you had to pull somebody from there, you just had a spot open and you had to add somebody. Who are you feeling from the, from the deep guys? And I know it's a tough, tough ass, tough assignment. It's not a tough assignment at all, Andrew. I know exactly who I'm taking. And there's only one guy who I really want from this range because there's only one guy who was, A, productive in college, B, uh, a solid athlete, 
and C drafted somewhat highly. And that's Tucker Craft, who had a 21% dominated rating in college, ran a 4.6940 and had a 34 inch vertical. So he's got a, a high rash score as well. And then he was drafted in the third round. All right. He's he's stuck behind Luke Musgrave, but we talk about these guys. They're all stuck. Schumacher's stuck behind Ferguson. Darnell Washington's stuck behind Firemuth. Brenton Strange is stuck behind the offensive lineman. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, Mark Andrews drafted after Hayden Hurst. So, yeah, you know, exactly. it's like uh, Tucker Craft being drafted after Luke Musgrave. That's not even the death sentence you might think it is. I think Darnell Washington has the athletic ceiling, but I just don't buy it. I see him more as an offensive lineman, as a blocker, 8.3% dominator rating. The only other guy below 10% in the top 50 dynasty times, I believe, yeah. uh, would be Dawson Knox and then Luke uh, Musgrave, who got hurt. Uh, so there's really just not a lot of players well, who just weren't productive at all. I um, love that, man. I, so, yeah, just real quick for everybody out there to wrap up that one, go to at myffpc.com, use promo code ALARM. They'll match uh, up $25 if you spend 35 or more, and we just got it from the man himself that has the spreadsheet, that has the numbers, Tucker Craft, uh, a guy that these drafts are 20, 12 teams, 20 rounds. So that's 240. Tucker Craft ADP is 330 over there right now. So he's free. So if you have that free spot, sneak him on there right now. Awesome, man. Hey, well, I appreciate you coming on, man. We got to jump in a minute or so. I want to make sure I gave you time. Tell everybody where they can follow you, obviously, what you got going on. Uh, anything you want to plug, man, throw it out there, dude. Thank you for joining us and help us sort this out because it's it's the dirty dredges here, you know? Yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter at GuruFantasyWorld. You can go to the website as well, GuruFantasyWorld.com. You'll find all the links to everything, all my work there. Awesome, man. Here, that makes it easy. Same thing for me. I, I Everything at Coupe Fiasco, anything I write, these, these uh, videos, these articles, I tweet them out. Uh, and, you know, you can listen to this back if it was a little fast for you. We're on Spotify, Apple, uh, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast, man. So, David, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Coming up next on Better Sports Network, make sure you stay tuned because we have Brits Blitz coming in here. She brings you the news, the popcorn news, the interesting news. She does all the camp breakdowns at Fantasy Alarm. So we're giving you the deep dive strategies. She's going to come in and keep you updated to date on everything. So make sure you hey, hey, stay tuned, get subscribed, smash that like button both here and on Brits video. All right, I'll talk to you guys. Thanks.